Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Come on, church, give God some praise in this place. There's no name like the name of Jesus. And his word tells us that one mention of the name can move mountains, can change circumstances, change situations. So today we want to speak the name of Jesus over your life. I believe that there's in a room like this with this many people that there's somebody that needs Jesus to move in their situation and their circumstance. And so we're speaking that name over whatever it is you're walking through in this place. And today, as we dig into the Word of God, I really felt impressed. This idea that God is looking for a holy people, a people that are set apart, a city on a hill, a light in the darkness. This world needs a church that is holy. Not a church that blends in, that looks the same, that acts the same, talks the same, walks the same, thinks the same. No, the Bible actually says you are a holy priesthood. You are set apart. One version calls us a peculiar people. And so today I believe that God is looking for us to be different, live different, act different. I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14. Chapter 1, verse 14 says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's what I believe God is speaking over us today. That we wouldn't go back to how we were. But we would be different. We would be holy since we serve a holy God. He's looking for some people who are different. So as you're seated in this place, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, you different. Come on, tell him, say, you different. And you can be seated in this place. Man, I'm looking out there. Thank you, Janine. I see some different people. You come to the 12 p.m., you're different. Come on. Man, it's so good to see you guys. My name is Caleb. If you're new, we're so glad you're here. And uh, we are kicking off an all-new series today entitled, Worst Sermon Ever, The Series. So a year ago, we did a series in the summer called Best Sermon Ever. And we had all guest speakers, me and Chrissy were on sabbatical for six weeks, and uh, all guest speakers came in, and they were all friends of mine and guys I knew. And, and uh, I was like, all right, preach your best sermon. And we called it best sermon ever, and they all hated it. They're like, that's too much pressure. So what's awesome, I have no pressure today because the title of this series is Worst Sermon Ever. Okay, I'm joking. No, here's what the point of this is. In this series, we are going to correct Christians and the church's bad theology. You know what theology is? It's the study of God. Theos meaning God, ology being study of. So the study of God, and how do we study God? We study God through his word. 
the problem is in the church, we say a lot of things, we think a lot of things that are actually not in line with his word. And so in this series, we're going to be hitting on some of the big things that Christians say or think or, or phrases that even have come out of the pulpit in the church before, and we're going to correct that. Because I believe for us to be the holy people and the light in the world we're called to be, we must have theology that is in line with his word. And so this series, uh, I believe you're going to get a lot out of it. It's going to encourage you. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. And I want to kick it off today by talking about God wants me to be happy. You've probably heard this. People have said this to me. They told me, while walking in obvious and evident sin, well, I believe that God just wants me to be happy. And how many of you know that in Scripture, nowhere do we see that God calls us to happiness? We believe, and I believe, and what I want to talk to you about today is that God actually calls us to holiness, not happiness. He doesn't call us to happiness. He calls us to holiness, to be that holy people as he is holy, so we are holy, that people that are set apart, that are different. And we want to, in this series, help you grow in your understanding of the word. And I look at our culture, and man, many people, especially in American culture, think that God's ultimate goal is to make us happy. It's popular because we have a strong sense of entitlement as Americans in our society. We think we deserve whatever we want. We deserve whatever we desire. We deserve whatever we ask for. But how many of you know God knows better than you know? He sees the big picture of your life, but not just your life, all eternity. And so he has a perspective that you don't have, which is why we must trust him and stay within the boundaries of the holiness that he's called us to. Not happiness, holiness. So holiness takes boundaries. Now, I want to explain this by showing you the importance of boundaries. So first, you ever been on the road? You've probably been on the road, and you've seen these somewhere. These are called, called guardrails. And the guardrails are meant to protect you. They keep you going in the right direction on the road so you don't fall into certain death, destruction, challenge. The guardrails are so important. The boundaries, even the lines on the road, which are boundary markers, are meant to protect you on your journey. You think about it in sports, and I think about a basketball court. The reason that uh, sports are something we love and what makes them so engaging is what people can do within the boundaries that are set for them. So you see... The Warriors, the Celtics, are doing some amazing things within the boundaries that are set for them. The Kings, they struggle in those boundaries. <laughs> don't quite do as much. But you understand what I'm saying. That's why I don't do spike ball, church. Spike ball, there's no boundaries. People just smacking the ball all over the place, any direction. I don't get it. So I don't do it. No offense to the spike ball players in the room. But we need boundaries. And you get it. You see it in other sports, football, hockey, baseball. There's boundaries. And then what you can accomplish in the boundaries is pretty incredible. I think that God gives us boundaries. 
creates boundaries. Chris is gonna come up and help me illustrate this. Um, so, so I got a hoop here, and uh, you know I'm um, Sacramento Kings to the core. I don't jump on the bandwagon like a lot of you. And uh, so I brought my king's hoop. Come on, show them, Christy. I brought my king's hoop. Let's go. We may be on an 18-year drought from the playoffs, but I'm still faithful, church. You know I'm a man of faith if I'm still a Kings fan. Come on. Man of God up here. So, so here's what I've seen. Here's what I've seen. I'm just playing today. Well, here's what I've seen. Um, I, love, I love Steph Curry, actually. Like, I'm not a Warriors fan. He's an incredible shooter, incredible player. And uh, the thing about Steph Curry is he expanded the boundaries of what people thought was possible for shooting. So he came into the league, and people used to shoot maybe 10 threes a game, the, the whole team. And then he started shooting 10, 12, 14 threes a game himself. And it changed the boundaries of the game to where now teams realize they have to shoot at least 23s or you cannot win in the NBA, analytics tells us. Changed the game. But he also expanded the boundaries of how far you can shoot from. And so what happened though is now, you're doing great by the way, babe. Um, what happened is now you've got elementary school kids, junior high kids, high school kids that are shooting from curry range, but they haven't done curry preparation. They're shooting at a boundary that they have not expanded their skill to. I got a fourth grader who's trying to launch NBA range threes. I'm like, my guy, you can't even make it from the free throw line. You're too weak to get it there. Why are you trying to chuck it from NBA range? No, what, because they all want to be curry. And so you think about it, most of us, we have not expanded through preparation, through, through what God has put us through to expand the boundary of our shot, but we're back here in our life trying to launch curry range threes. That was not going in. It's all right, babe. You did better the last two services. Thank you. And so we're back here launching curry range threes, but we haven't had our boundaries expanded through preparation. When most of us should be more like here. And this is what I want to talk to you about today because I think God puts boundaries around us. And Chrissy's going to help me illustrate this further now by placing a boundary around me. You see, holiness always is accompanied by boundaries. Do you know that a disciple, which you're called to be, right? A disciple of Christ is a disciplined one. And discipline always is accompanied by boundaries. Here's the problem. We don't like limitations. We don't like when God puts boundaries around us that are smaller than what we think they should be. And so we will press back, we will push back, we will fight with, we will maybe even be angry or frustrated with God because of the boundaries that he's put around us. Give it up for Christy, come on. In the green, what are those green pants? I don't know, those are, those are beautiful, babe, I love you. 
Seafoam. That's what I was looking for. That's seafoam green. Come on, somebody. Am I right? Seafoam. I knew it. I believe that God wants us to stay within the boundaries of his best for our lives. And that is what holiness looks like. The problem is we're pursuing happiness. And so God puts the boundaries around us and we're like, well, that doesn't make me happy in the moment. I don't feel happy at this exact time. So I'm gonna step out of the boundaries that God has placed for me. And so we step out of holiness, we step out of purpose, we step out of God's best because we think that what we feel is better. So I wanna compare happiness and holiness. You see, being happy feels right, but being holy is what rooted righteousness is. Imagine, church, if the oceans decided to not be down with their boundaries anymore. What if the ocean was like, this is my year of expansion. This is my year of overflow. This is my year of more, greater things. This is my come up year. And so I am going to expand to the land. You know what would come? Death, destruction, devastation. And it's funny to think about, but we do the same thing. We proclaim things like this is my year of overflow, of more, of expansion. And God's going, no, I've got you in those boundaries for a reason. I've got you in the boundaries of your life right now. And yeah, maybe they're a little smaller than you wanted, but this is what I have for you right now. The expansion is coming, but it's in my time, not yours. And when we're rooted in righteousness and rooted in the word, then we trust in the one that knows what's best for us. Let me read 1 John 2, 15 through 17. I can illustrate this great through this text. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what do people say? Whatever makes me happy must be right. And whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. The problem is discomfort may come, delay may come, suffering may come, inconveniences come, obstacles come, and it doesn't feel good, but it may actually be God's will for your life. It may actually be God preparing you for the expansion that is coming, but that you wouldn't be ready for, prepared for, have the range for, if you didn't experience the season of smaller boundaries. And I think that we can begin to worship the wrong things. We begin to love the things of the world. Why? Because they make us feel good for a moment. Momentary satisfaction. The Bible literally says that sin is fun. No, I'm for real. Did you know that? The Bible says sin is fun, but then it goes on for a season. Y'all been there because you've had some fun, right, church? You feel me? I've been there too. We are human, and so we engage in the sin of this world, and we have fun for a season, but then we always end up in the same place, don't we? Empty, hopeless desperate, hurting, 
and we recognize and realize, wow, that was fun for a season, it is not God's best for my life. And so just because something feels good or feels right doesn't mean it is good or is God. But when we're rooted in righteousness, we recognize that the boundaries that he's placed around us protect us in our lives, in our future, and our purpose. It's a common belief that God exists to be our personal genie. I just see that in American culture and in the American church. He's just waiting to give us our every wish. But can I be real with you? It's amazing how we will justify our sinful actions by saying that God just wants me to be happy. I've literally had these conversations with people who are walking in blatant sin. They're Christians, followers of God, and they're walking in blatant sin. And they're like, well, God wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. That's not his call. Now, I don't think God doesn't want you to be happy, but happiness is not your, his primary call to your life. Holiness is his primary call to your life. And walking in holiness means that there are times when you don't feel happy. It doesn't always feel great. It doesn't feel amazing when the, the borders around you, the boundaries are less than what you'd hope for at this point in your life. But it's about trusting him. It's about being rooted in the righteousness that says, I'm going to trust God. It's about believing Romans 8, 28, that we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. It's about trusting in that. And what I see in the church is a lot of people that have smaller boundaries around them right now. You're not where you thought you'd be. You're not where you wanted to be. You haven't got the come up, the, the increase, the blessing, the, the raise, the promotion, the, the relationship, the marriage, the child, all the things you've been hoping for. And so you're frustrated with God. It's kind of funny. You're frustrated with God. You're bitter at God. You're angry with God. And what we do is we go, you know what? I'm done with these boundaries and I'm stepping out because I know what's best. Because I'm going to get mine. Because I've been waiting long enough. Can I tell you that that's not what holiness is? Rooted righteousness, trusts and waits. It's not motivated by selfishness, which is the next point today. It's moved by selflessness. That's what he's looking for. A church that will not be motivated by selfishness, but, boo, but moved by selflessness. You know what I found in my life? It's not fun. I'm just going to be real with you. My whole life, uh, I just couldn't get outside the boundaries that God had created for me. And What do I mean? I'd step out of line just a little bit. And nine other people would step out of line with me, and I'd be the one that got called out. <laughs> Y'all can relate to this, somebody? Like, I, I, I mean, I'm just barely out of the boundaries, God. I'm just testing the waters a little bit. I'm just pushing, you know, I'm pushing the boundaries a little bit, the limits a little bit. God, come on, it's not that bad. Boom, I get called out. I got called into our youth pastor's office more than any other person in youth group, and I was way more holy than all those scrubs. I'm for real. I do one little tiny thing. I get called it, Caleb. That's not who you are. <laughs> you want to know why? I couldn't do what a lot of people were doing because of the calling that God had on my life. 
And I want you to hear this because I think that some of you are frustrated with the small boundaries God's put you in. Like, why do I always have to do what's right? Why do I have to be the holy one? Why do I have to be the one that's, that's not causing others to stumble? And I want to tell you, it's because of God's calling on your life. I sit in some pastoral circles, and I'm not trying to hate on anybody, but, but I've been in some environments. I've gone to events, and afterwards, we're all hanging out, and, you know, we go down, and uh, I've been at some of these events, these getaways, and we're sitting by the fire, and, you know, people are having a drink, and then a few more drinks, and I'm watching these pastors, some who pass ver pastor very large churches, and they're just getting lit, <laughs> and the language that's coming out of their mouths, and I'm just like, what are we doing? And I'm actually sitting there going, God, seriously? I, do you see the size of their church and this is who they are? And you know what God says to me every time? Don't worry about them. That's not your job. He says, you worry about you. You be faithful to you. And I can stand up here and say I've never been drunk in my life. You want to know why? Because I got boundaries and I'm staying in them. Because there's a call in my life. I'm not going to allow myself to get tempted or caught up or pulled into something that would thwart or hold me back from the calling he has on me. And you can call me a square. That's fine. I'm standing in the square of the boundaries of God's call on my life. I didn't pull that one in, out in any other service. It just came to me. That was fire. Okay. My, I'm not even kidding you. My wife, when she first met me, she's like, you're such a square. When we were dating... And I was like, yeah. And she's like, in the best way. <laughs> Are you motiva motivated by selfishness or selflessness? I read 1 John 2, 15. I'm going to read verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. You know there's a lot of desires of this flesh. They're not from God. And you know what selfishness is? It's pride. And it says here, the pride of life. You see, naturally as human beings, you will have a temptation, an incl inclination, a propensity towards pride. It was the first sin. The first sin was Satan, who was the worship leader, and thought, instead of the worship going through me, I want the worship to come to me. And so he said, I'm on par with God. I'm done, you know, worship going to God. I want to come to me. And pride elevated him, and then he fell. And a third of the angels went with him. You see, pride is always the root of all sin. And pride is why we're selfish people. Because we think that everything starts and ends with us. That we deserve it that we earned it, that we have a right to it. But selfless people lay down their rights, the word of God tells us, that we say, I have no rights as a follower of Christ. I'm here to serve the master. Think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are in the garden that can eat of any tree. And God says, except that one. Would you agree that that's a pretty large boundary? I mean, this isn't, this little box that I'm in. God says, any tree, any fruit, you can have it all, taste it all, eat it all. Just don't eat that one. Think about the size of that boundary. And they go, yeah, we'll take the one. 
We'll take the one. We, we probably know better than God anyways. That's what selfishness looks like. That's what the pride of life looks like. I think about my dad. My dad's the executive pastor here at our church. His name is Randy. Next week, Father's Day, Pastor Randy gonna be bringing the word. Come on. So make sure you're here. But my dad, his whole life, has been in an associate role in the church. Never a lead pastor. Never a senior pastor. Never the head leader. And I remember growing up and be like, Dad, come on. Because people would reach out to him. Churches would reach out to him. He got multiple offers to be lead pastor, senior pastors of churches. And he would always say no. And I'd be like, are you crazy? That's the promotion. That's the come up. That's the, the elevation. I mean, more money, more opportunity, more notoriety. But my dad knew that God had put a boundary around him. And the boundary was that he would serve the vision of other people. Was that he was best in a position of number two. And I want to tell you something. I want to give him credit, but all glory goes to God. That I think because my dad said no to what could have been a good thing, but wasn't a God thing. He said no to multiple good things that weren't God things. He stayed within the boundaries of what God had called him to and the purposes that God had for him that I am here today now leading. I was able to say yes because my dad said no so many times. And so this is a legacy thing, church. It's not just about you. His selfishness, if he walked in selfishness, he would have said yes to every one of those opportunities. But the boundaries of holiness said no. If I'm telling you to say no, then you walk in obedience. That's what selflessness looks like. You stay number two, even though you have an opportunity to be number one. It's also holiness is possessions focused. Sorry. Happiness is possessions focused, while holiness is eternally focused. You see, many of us can't see God as good because he put the boundaries around us. I mean, he can't be good. Look at this little box he put me in. He can't be good. He hasn't expanded my boundaries. He can't be good. He hasn't expanded my, my finances. He hasn't ex expanded my bank account. He hasn't expanded my job. He hasn't expanded my relationships. He can't be good. Can I tell you something as it relates to finances? Because I think there's a lot of you in here that are still waiting for the boundaries to shift and expand. Sometimes God keeps our boundaries small because he's teaching us how to steward the little. And until you learn how to steward the little, he knows that you cannot be entrusted with much. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that God is teaching you something. And that when the time comes, and I believe it will, I believe God wants to bless his people, and I do believe that expansion is coming for you, your family, your life, but it comes in his timing, and when it comes, it's gonna be because you're ready, and he taught you everything you needed to learn in the season of smaller boundaries, so you're ready to be a good steward of much. Because let's be real, if you don't steward little well, how would you steward much well? When you have much, there's more temptations. There's more distractions. There's more opportunities to fall into sin. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Y'all know Philippians 4, 13. 
but we need to put it in the context of the whole scripture, which is Paul writing to the church in Philippi from jail. Paul's been in jail for preaching the gospel. He's stuck in jail, and here's what he says to the church in Philippi. He says this. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. So he's talking about the church of Philippi. They reached out to him in jail. They sent a letter and they're like, how can we help you? He said, you had concern for me. Thank you. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, meaning they, there was no way they could help him. They didn't take care packages in jail in Rome at that time. He says that, verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. Everybody say content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. Everybody say the secret. Of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Some of you got that tattooed on you. It's in your bio. You quote it all the time. And you think it's about you getting that new job, you finally getting married, congrats, give it up. Anno and Nick are engaged, come on. He put a ring on it. You think it's about so many things, about you accomplishing more, doing more, getting more, expanding more. But you know what it's about? That verse? It's about being content. That's what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is about. It's about you being content. Do you see what it said? He says, I've learned in whatever situation I'm gonna be content. So I know how to be brought low. I know when my boundaries are small, I'm content. And I know how to abound. And when my boundaries expand, I'm content. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, expanded boundaries, shrunk boundaries, abundance, huge boundaries, and need, small boundaries. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Did you see what he said, though? He said, I, I have learned the secret. Because here's what I found. A lot of Christians are trying so hard to be content. And let's be real, in 2022, it is really hard to be content. Because I'm on the gram, and my boy just went on his Hawaii vacation, and I'm like, I wanna go to Hawaii. And then my other homie just got his new house with the granite countertops and the pool in the back, and, uh, and it's four bedroom, three bath, and, and, and it's fire. And I'm like, I want that house. And then somebody walks in and they're in the new J's, I'm like, I need those J's. And I'm watching, and somebody's Instagram following has blown up, and, and their reels are going crazy. I'm like, I want more Instagram followers. And I'm like, but, but be content, be content, be content. I'm good. Small boundaries, God, I'm good. I'll stay in the boundaries. And a lot of Christians, they're trying so hard to be content, and they can't. You want to know why? Because we're trying to do it in our strength. I can do all things through me who strengthens me. 
And then we go, why am, I, why am I not content? Why do am I always longing for more? Why am I always comparing myself to all these other people? Why, why, why do I always want? It's because you're trying to strengthen you and you. You're trying to be content in your own ability. And what is the secret? Paul tells us. After laying all this out, I've learned the secret. I know how to be content. Abundance, need, small boundaries, huge, huge boundaries. You know what the secret is? I do it through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't walk content as a follower of Christ in my strength. I walk content in small boundaries through the power and the strength of Jesus Christ because I'm connected to the source. So I just want to tell you right now, stop striving. Stop working. Stop trying to convince yourself to not want what other people have and just press in to who Jesus is. Cry out to him in prayer. Make church a priority and say, Jesus, give me the strength to be content. Because you can't do it in your strength. But the secret is in that Jesus juice, church. It's the secret. Paul gave us the secret. And let's be real, it is so hard today to not be possessions focused. But that's what happiness is. Happiness says, oh, I got a possession. I feel good. I bought that thing. Uh, I got that dopamine hit. Uh, I, I clicked that, you know, buy now on Amazon. Ooh, ooh, that's it. I got that new shirt, that new shoes, those new shoes, that new shirt. And I feel great for that one day of wearing it. And then the second time I wear it, it's old news. And I go, where'd the happiness go for those things? Because when we're eternally focused, we learn to be content in abundance and need, in hunger and plenty, in small boundaries and expanded boundaries. Can I be real? I haven't always been content leading this church. Is that okay? That I tell you I'm human? There's been seasons, Chrissy will tell you, when we were four years in, I was ready to, to pack it in. Not because I was burned out, because I was just expecting more. I thought we'd be in a building by then. I thought we'd have more people by then. I thought I'd have more influence by then. And it wasn't until I really began to press in to who Jesus was, and my relationship with him was enough. Because when Jesus is all I need, then I don't need the value of man's praise. I don't find my value in what people say. I don't find my value in how many people are in the seats. I used to come in on Sundays, and on a good Sunday when the room was full, I'd be like, yeah, we're killing it. Church is fire. I'm the man. And then the next Sunday, you know, it's like Memorial Day weekend and half the place is empty. And I'm like, I hate church. This sucks. I suck. I'm, I'm done. Why? Because my value was circumstantial. I didn't have true joy. I was walking with the mindset of happiness, the dopamine hit, how things felt in a moment. And I was waiting on God to expand my boundaries. And he's like, no, I'm teaching you to be content in the small boundaries I've given you. And I think someone needs to hear this word today because your boundaries have stayed small. And it's been very difficult. 
and I get it because I've been there. But until you find your value in who you are and whose you are, as a child, a son, a daughter of the Most High God, you'll continue to fluctuate up and down. I only matter when big things happen outside of me or for me, rather than no, I'm always valued. I'm always important. I'm always walking in purpose, whether there's five people in the room or 500 people in the room. I have a purpose and a call, and I'm content in plenty and little. What's it about? It's about perpetual joy over temporary satisfaction. You see, happy, being happy is temporary satisfaction. But being holy is perpetual joy. I said it to you earlier that you're called to be a disciple, right? You're disciples, followers of Jesus. But you know, a disciple without boundaries is destructive. Hear me. You need to receive this because what I see is there's a lot of disciples. I'm a follower of Jesus. And they're reflecting Jesus or telling people that this is what Jesus looks like, but they aren't willing to stay in the boundaries that God creates for them. And as a result, there's death and destruction just flying all around. They leave a wave of destruction behind them in their relationships, in their friendships, in their families. Why? Because they're pursuing temporary satisfaction. But joy is perpetual. Joy is a rooted connection to God. What if your legacy was that you loved one woman your whole life? That's, that's what I'm going for. But let's be real. I mean, that's a small boundary. There's a lot of honeys out there. And you're telling me, God, I gotta stay with one? That little tiny boundary? Christy Cole, that's it? my whole entire life? God's saying, yeah. Because when you go outside of that, you know what it leads to? The death and destruction of your heart. You know what else it leads to? The death and destruction of your legacy. The death and destruction of, of, of generations to come. Because you weren't willing to stay in the boundary of what God created from his word. People go, but Caleb, I watched people walk out walk in affairs, and you know what they say to me every time? I just think God wants me to be happy. No. He wants you to be holy. And he created the boundary for a reason. And you don't know the long-lasting impact that your choices right now of stepping outside the boundary that God has created you will have. You see, she's not just the first lady of Project Church. She's the last lady for your boy, Caleb Cole. Come on, church. True happiness comes from a blessed life. You know, the biblical word for happy, we see it 80 times in the New Testament, is the Greek word makairos or makarios. And so sometimes we hear it, we see happy in scripture, and you're like, Caleb, I read it. There's a few scriptures that say about the people of God being happy. But this Greek word makarios, we don't really have an English equivalent because in the original Greek, it meant supremely blessed or more than happy. You see, this is God's goal for us. 
that even when things aren't going the way we want them to go, we know we're not just temporarily happy, that God has made us holy because true happiness is a blessed life. And it comes when we seek God first above all else and stay within the boundaries of the holiness that he's called us to. That's what joy is. And so many of us don't feel joyful, and I think it's because we're not staying in the boundaries. There's still room to move in here. And not only that, but I've watched as God has expanded boundaries in certain areas of my life. He's expanded the boundaries of influence and impact and, and, and leadership and finances and so many things in my life. But I had to be patient and wait on his time, not mine. You see, as I close right now, too many of us have tied our goal and we think God just wants us to be happy. And can I tell you what happiness is? It's worldly led. But holiness is will of God led. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, I read it earlier to you, but I wanna focus on the end. Verse number 17, it says, the world is passing away along with all its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, I don't want to be led by the things of this world. I don't want to be led by or, or a person that loves the things of this world, which are fleeting, temporary, passing away. They're just desires of the flesh. The word says they will pass away, but the will of God is eternal. The will of God is forever. So when you stay committed to the boundaries that God has created for you, then you're committed to the will of God for you. And when you're committed to the will of God and the boundaries, let me tell you, there is eternal significance attached to it. You could go after all the things of this world and get a lot of temporary satisfaction, but it will leave nothing behind. But when you're committed, will of God, things of God, boundaries of God, it says it abides forever. I believe that true disciples are disciplined people. You know what they're committed to? Boundaries. And we got to be real, like we don't like boundaries. I don't. My whole life I've been like, push back on the boundaries. More, break through walls, try new things, accomplish, grind, go, kill it. But so often God says, no, I'm keeping you here. I'm putting some boundaries around you. Why? Because I see something you don't see. I'm preparing you for something that you're not quite ready for. So pursue my will over your will. May that be our prayer. Your will be done, Jesus. Not Caleb's will, but your will be done. God's call is to holiness, not happiness, church. And so I wanna ask you, as I close right now, that you would embrace the boundaries that God has created for you in this season. You would embrace the boundaries of his word, which will never change. Because there's some boundaries that God will expand in your life, but there's other boundaries that were meant to be there, will always be there, and will never change because they're meant to protect you. So I would ask you that you would today, 
as followers of Jesus in this room say, I am committed to embrace the boundaries that God has placed around me. Here's what I think. It's easier to make Jesus our Savior than it is to make Jesus our Lord. Let's be real. Because we can say like, Jesus, my savior, that's so dope. Like Jesus came and he died and he took my sin and now I'm forgiven and I'm set free and I'm going to heaven. Yeah, my savior, Jesus, he's fire. Come on. But Jesus, Lord, when he says, no, 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 you need to obey me. I'm telling you to stop when you want to go. I'm telling you to stay in the boundaries and you're trying to stray out of them. I'm saying, wait, you're in a season of waiting and you're pushing and wanting more. I'm saying that you got to follow my will over your will. I'm saying you got to trust me more than you trust yourself. I'm saying let go of control and give me control. Jesus as Lord. That's a lot harder, isn't it? Because I like control. I like breaking boundaries. I like pushing forward. I like going at my pace. I like following my will. So today, I think there's some Christians in here that, yeah, Jesus is your Savior, but is he your Lord? Or have you put him fully as Lord? You've given him parts of your life. You gave him your marriage, but you haven't given him your finances yet. You gave him your kids, but you haven't given him your job and your future. You've given him parts of you, but not all of you. Today, I want to challenge you to embrace the boundaries of God and to make him fully Lord of your life. Bow your heads across this room. As we close, as we go, I don't believe you were here by accident. I think God wanted you to hear this word today. And I sense in the room that it's resonating with a lot of you. And there's someone in here that would say, Caleb, I got to be honest. I, 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 don't, I haven't even made Jesus my savior. I've been running from God, turned my back on God. I, had all, I got caught up in all kinds of sin. And for too long, I've run from him and I'm ready to come home. If that's you, you need to receive Jesus for the first time. You need to recommit yourself and want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, go. If that's you, yes, 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 yes. You can put them down. I've seen those hands. Second thing, you're in this place. You say, Caleb, yeah, yeah, I've made him my savior. But to be honest, I don't know that I fully made him my Lord. I followed my will over his will, my desires over his desires. I pushed out of the boundaries that I know he placed around me because I'm impatient. And today I've been challenged. I need to fully make him Lord once again. I need to submit to the boundaries he's placed around me in this season. I want you to lift your hand. Go. If that's you, yeah, hands going up around the room. You can put them down. Pray this with me, church. Say, Jesus, today I declare I'm imperfect, broken. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I confess you, Jesus, as my Savior. But also today, I embrace you as my Lord. I'm walking in holiness not pursuing happiness. I'll walk in and stay committed to the boundaries 
you're placing around me because I'm trusting you. Your will be done. Your kingdom come in my life, Jesus. I love you. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Church, stand to your feet with us right now. Man, I love the responses in this room. Salvation, people making God the Lord, not just their Savior. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one last song. Let this be our declaration. Our prayer team is going to come to the front. If you need prayer, you raise your hand. Maybe you're struggling making them Lord. Maybe you've been stuck in some sin and you're straying outside the boundaries of God's best for your life. I want you to come. But would you lift your voices? Let this be our final declaration today. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. Come on, let's sing today, church. Lift your voices in this place. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.